I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us through our podcast. Let me extend a personal invitation as well to join us at RRPC in person on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This is the Easter season. We explore together resurrection hope as a people of faith. The Lord has risen. The Lord has risen indeed. May you be renewed and empowered, comforted and challenged as we listen to and for God's Word together today. Hi, I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church, and thanks for joining in to our sermon podcast today. We hope you find God's love, grace, and challenge as you listen to and for God's Word. I invite you to join with me in our call to worship this morning. Blessed be the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Praise be to God, the giver of many gifts. Our help is in God's name, the one who calls us here. We come with songs of praise, with prayers too deep for words. Blessed be the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Blessed be the Lord. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus confronts his disciples about their tendency to judge others too hastily. He reminds them that unless a person is against us when it comes to the work of the kingdom, then that person is for us. We too tend to make this error. Let us stand and confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Let us pray. God of tender mercies, we admit that sometimes we don't know what to do with ourselves. We anger at the slightest insult and imagine great vengeance upon those who wronged us. We are rather indifferent to the good news of our faith and do not consider the deep commitment of faith. We care for ourselves, but not for others. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us, help us to repent, and make us whole. Amen. Please take a moment for your own silent confession at this time. God's gift to us in sending his son Jesus shows us that his desire is for us to live free from shame and guilt and the sins that could so much burden us. Jesus' self-giving means that we have freedom from the shame and the guilt that sin brings. So believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Since God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus, let us forgive one another. The peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all and also with you. Let us exchange a gesture of peace with our neighbors from a distance and remain standing for the response to our forgiveness. I have some things right here. If I needed to write my name, which one of these would be the right thing to choose? Just that one? I can't write my name with any of the rest of them? Well, I have another pencil here. Could I use that one? Would the pens or the marker work to write my name? If I was just trying to write my name down on this piece of paper? They would. The truth is that any of these would work to write my name. 
Now it might look different. It would be blue if I use the marker. It would be black if I use that pen, pink if I use that pen, gold if I use this pencil. Did you see that one? That one's one of my favorites. But they would all do the same job, wouldn't they? They would write my name down. And today we're going to learn about how people can do things differently, but still all be doing the same job. In our Bible story, the disciples told Jesus that they had seen someone doing acts in Jesus' name, but since he wasn't one of them, they had told him to stop. But Jesus said, do not stop him. He told the disciples that anyone who did things in Jesus' name or because of Jesus would be doing good things. Sometimes people in churches act like Jesus' disciples did that day. When I was a kid, when I was about your age, I went to a church that was a lot like this one. It was a Presbyterian church. Mm-hmm. When I was five years old, when I was five years old, I went to a Presbyterian church, not this church, but a different one. But sometimes I would go and visit with my grandmother at her church or one of my friends at their churches, and I found they did some things that were different than what I was used to. Maybe they sang songs that were different. Maybe they prayed a different way. Maybe they met at a different time than what my church did. Did that mean that they were doing it wrong? No, of course not. They were worshiping God too. Sometimes we get stuck on uh, feeling like our way of doing things is the only way to do it. It's the only right way to do it. But just like Jesus told his disciples, anyone who is following Jesus, even if they're not like us, is still working for Jesus, and we shouldn't stop them from doing that. Different doesn't mean wrong. It's just different, and that's okay. Will you pray with me by repeating after me? Dear God, thank you for helping us to follow you. Thank you for those who are different from us. Help us to remember that it's okay to be different. In Jesus' name, Amen. We want to pray together at this time for uh, illumination by God's Spirit as we read the Word and as the Spirit interprets it for us. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit that as the Scriptures are read and your Word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our gospel lesson this morning has already been alluded to a few times, but let's read it from the scripture itself. It comes from Mark 9, 38 through 41 is what I will read this morning. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterward to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm so glad to be here today and uh, be able to share what I have 
gleaned from the scripture today, but I want to give you two heads up. Uh, one, if you uh, are looking for me to preach specifically on our pericope this morning, you're going to be disappointed uh, because I'm actually going to talk about the disciples and I'm going to begin with their journey before this actual event that uh, Laura has talked about so well to the children before it takes place. So uh, just to let you know. I want to tell you a story about a family of five. Over a period of about five years, parents and three children, each of the children are born two years or two, yeah, two years apart. They're all in uh, high school, middle school. In 1995, though, the oldest one, Stephen, graduates from high school and then he goes to college and he graduates and then he marries his high school sweetheart, and then they move 10 states over to live on the Pacific West Coast. Two years later, 1997, child number two, Justin, graduates from high school, moves four states south to work in his grandfather's business. 2000, child number three, Anna graduates from high school, finds an apartment, and attends a community college in her hometown while her parents simultaneously pull up stakes and move to another town three states to the east. The dad starts a new job and the mother attends school full-time to prepare for a new vocation. Their nest is empty. 2003 after child number three leaves, both the mother and the dad's grand grandmothers die within two months of each other after short illnesses. Finally, Christmas 2003 presents an opportunity, finally, for the family to get together. The wife comes home a few days before Christmas with the groceries for her Christmas meal for her family, and her husband asks her to sit down and then he reveals to her that he's not been happy. He's found someone else that he loves, and they have made plans. After the initial hurt, the mother lashes out at him, at her children, at the community, at the people who just want to help. It's all a big mess. She is scared, feels rejected, abandoned. She looks in the mirror not too long after that, and she does not even recognize the person that she sees. Has anything, she asks, that I have done made any difference in these 26 years of marriage and raising a family? What do I have to show for what, has been, what I've been through? Without being a mother and a wife, who am I? Similarly, if you will, the year is 30 A.D. in Galilee. Peter, James, John, Andrew, all brothers, two pairs, they've heard about a man of God, John the Baptist, baptizing in the River Jordan. He speaks of one who's coming even greater than himself. And one day, while they are casting their nets with their fathers in the family business, 
the one that John the Baptist has spoken of actually comes by them, looks at them, and asks them to follow him, and they do. With pain and cries of grief and anguish from their families begging them to stay, they leave, and they become known as Jesus' disciples. They are sure that this investment of their time will be well worth it. He's pretty good, you know. Their fathers are going to be proud of them because one day in Jesus' kingdom, they will have a special place at the top. They will have earned it, though. Their homesick bodies and confused minds will follow this man who has them traipsing here and there and yonder, not knowing where they're going next or what they're going to do next. They've been afraid for their lives on the stormy sea, afraid for their lives near a leper, and finally a madman who is ready to pounce on them and tear them apart. When Jesus actually talks to a Samaritan woman, that's when they begin to wonder if he is not losing his ever-freaking-mind. Everyone knows this is just asking for trouble. On top of that, Jesus keeps disappearing on them regularly, such as they have to traipse and find him every single time. Only God knows what his cursing the fig tree was all about, especially since it wasn't the season for figs. Besides that, Peter, James, and John have watched Jesus contend with the Jewish leaders, and he does not seem to realize that these are powerful people, and they are in cahoots with Rome, and they are not messing around, and this is not a game. John feels at any minute those Roman soldiers are going to jump out from behind the rocks and arrest them all. Now, the year 33 AD, three years after they have left home, out seeing family, friends, children, Peter, James, and John come down from the mountain of transfiguration, and Jesus tells them for the second time that he must suffer and die. Sure, he said this before, but they didn't understand it, and they just knew he didn't mean it. So they just dismissed it, just like all the other times. But then they noticed that the way he said it this time signaled to him that indeed he meant this would happen. The disciples, they feel scared, abandoned, angry. They are mad at the world. They are mad at each other. They are mad at everybody. Without Jesus, who are we? Has anything the 12 of us have done following this man made any difference at all? What do we have to show for what we have been through for three years? And immediately, the disciples, just like the mother in our family story, lashes out at one another. Who's the greatest? They lash out at other people who are doing their job. What makes this man think that he can exercise demons in the name of Jesus. He has not put in his time like they have. 
They've been devoted for Jesus for three years, and this guy just up and exercises demons in a matter of two days? That's not fair. Last week, when Neil was speaking to us about the contention with the disciples about who was going to be the greatest, and he put a child in, in the midst of them, I caught one particular statement that he made, and it was this. If the disciples are human and grace abounds for them, maybe there's hope for me. You remember that? Well, that really struck me. There is no way, I say initially, I would insist on being the greatest or criticize someone who is obviously not against us for doing wrong. I would never want to sit at the right hand of my master. But if I was truly honest with myself, at the end of the kind of emotional losses that I've incurred, that these disciples incurred, that this mother incurred, that you've incurred. I can't say that I would not feel the same way as this mother and the disciples. Like each one of you, you've been there. Your dreams have been dashed. You've given up much for something that you weren't sure you knew what you got into. You have had no control over what's happened. And we are simply not our best selves. Well, I'm here to tell you that with time and with grace, we can get over our bad self. We can get over our bad self. Everybody has bad selves. It would do us good to remember that the next time we have to wait on our fast food or wait behind traffic, especially the little old women like me who didn't notice that the light had turned green. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that's what grace is. It comes to us by the Spirit, and it draws a timeline of our past days, weeks, months, years, and it marks them on that timeline, and it names our losses. And by the time we get to where we are, it covers those red marks of pain. And those crimson times become as white as snow. We learned from those times, didn't we? We are better people. The disciples became better people, but in the moment, not so much. Just like me, just like you. The good news is this. We who are in Christ become new creatures in these kinds of times. We are new creatures, and old things become past, and all things become new. Overnight? No, don't think so. Two years? Maybe. Five? We're getting there. But in the meantime, there will be times when we just need to get over ourselves. May God grant us that prayer. We can stand on the solid rock.
as we affirm our faith in the God whose name is greater than any power on this earth that covers our sins, our griefs, and death itself. Let's stand and affirm our faith in the creed, the affirmation of faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. God, our maker, you surround your people with favor and goodness, even when we are not our best selves. You have chosen us, and we are grateful that you have made us rich in faith. You have given us the keys to inherit your promised kingdom through our Lord Jesus Christ, who heals the afflicted and sets the oppressed free. In your mercy, O oh God, we ask that you open our hearts in intercession as we bow at your feet. On behalf of the church, the creation, and all those in need, Lord, we ask that you would uphold this land and those who labor to cultivate it, that both crops and people may be sustained by your love and overflow with the blessings of your generous provision. We ask, O oh God, for justice for the poor, relief for the afflicted, the immigrants, compassionate care for the physically and mentally ill. God, help us to respect the dignity of all people who struggle because they are made in your image and we are to show your kindness to those in need, your children. Open our eyes and ears to hear the cries of those who are hurting today, victims and families with COVID, family members who are missing, those on our prayer list today, the immigrants seeking safety and relief, home and businesses devastated by fire and flood. Bless your faithful people, Lord, and those who serve in this church those who work behind the scenes, O oh God, those who don't ask for recognition, but only to serve you. O oh Lord, your name is good. We trust in you to do us good through the excellent name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. 
At this time, our ushers come forward to receive the offering and want to take a moment to thank those of you who have remained faithful, not only in your attendance and the work, but in your giving. God bless you as you continue to give in the name of Jesus. Join me in our prayer of dedication. Gracious and holy God, accept what we offer today, our financial gifts, our faltering steps, our brokenness, our leftovers, our hope, our risking, our lives. Bless and transform all that we offer and all that we hold back that new life may be ours to celebrate and share in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your presence here today, those of you who are on Facebook and those of you in our sanctuary. I pray God's blessings go with you this week and that you will be able to sense God's presence affirming you and saying to you, these are my children in whom I am well pleased. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This is Neil Carter thanking you once again for listening to our podcast at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. You can also visit us at our website, complete with our online donations for those wishing to give. Come check us out at our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Or if you're in the Harrisburg, North Carolina area, feel free to drop in and visit us in person. Thanks again for being with us today.